When I was a little girl, I have to tell you, growing up in my house, Christmas was the holiday. It was the celebration. So the holiday season is the time to say, if you're able, you're capable to reach out, please do so and share your share your meal with somebody and let them know they're, they're loved and cared for. It. And that is so, so important. This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. It's December, y'all. The lights are up, cookies are baked, and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel gets stuck in your head. At the USCCB, the Christmas tree greets me every morning in the atrium, and somehow everyone is just a little more cheerful. Today's episode is about this season, well, two seasons, Advent and Christmas. We'll start with the Weldon family. I wish every interview began that way. So I'm Lindsay Weldon, and... I'm Aaron Weldon. We've been married for 13 (laughs) years, and we have three children, ages 7, 4, and 2, all boys. All boys. I host the first Freedom Podcast for the Office of Religious Liberty at the USCCB. Aaron and Lindsay are both adult converts to Catholicism. One of the things that they embraced full-heartedly was Advent. We love celebrating um, and waiting during Advent. We love all coming up with traditions and learning from others and trying them every year. And I feel like we have a lot going. We have a lot to do during Advent. Advent calendars are pretty standard equipment in Catholic homes. We have an Advent calendar where we open one door every day and there's a special picture and word there that has to do with the waiting and has to do with waiting for Christmas. We have a chain, like a paper chain, and on each chain there's a name of God. And so every day you take one off and you paste it up onto the purple or pink paper for the week. And so we have purple and pink around the house for Advent. Their oldest son, Elijah, helped to cut out the names of God for the chain. And then we always have an Advent wreath with the candles and light it in the evenings and just turn off all the lights and have just that. And so every week it really is amazing that one more candle is that much brighter. So in the Weldon home, the boys have this tangible reminder that something is coming because the light grows. I think we also sing Advent songs at night because we always oh, sing sure. at bedtime as kind of like bedtime prayer and then, and then the Pater Noster. Then we also, in the mornings, we normally sing the Salve Regina. So we'll switch, yes. But so we'll the, switch. But Alma I can't, Redemptoris. Yeah, we like switch for with the seasons. Mm-hmm. And then we'll that. sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel and, at, at night. Um, the kids at their catechism class are, are learning a song that goes with the Advent wreath, Light One Candle for Faith, and then the next, Light One Candle for Hope, Light One Candle for Joy, Light One Candle for love and so it goes you know kind of with each one it's really beautiful they uh go to catechism with the missionaries of charity sisters and they taught them the song so we do a lot of those things and then actually one of the biggest things we do every single day is the jesse tree so we have an ornament for every day and a scripture reading that goes with it for each day 
For the Jesse tree, they use just the top part of an artificial Christmas tree. And then come Christmas Eve this year, we will put that at the top and build the rest of the tree and still have those ornaments at the top. The Weldon kids are also learning to see Advent as a time to respond to the needs around them. The other thing we do during Advent is um, giving. And so usually Aaron brings home from the USCCB something for the giving tree. So we help and the kids help out to to buy a gift for another kid. Um, and then we always do something with Catholic Relief Services. And so that, too, is really nice because they give you the choice to do some concrete giving. And so... Each week of Advent, we'll pick something from that. So, you know, help build a well or buy animals for someone or seeds for crops or what, you know, they, it's so nice that they give you concrete things to give towards. So we'll do that. And the other one was, it said like they make like a, a bed or like a, the manger and the kids get to, um, you get to put a straw of hay for uh, every sacrifice or kind of thing you did that day. So I could see our kids getting into something like that. Mm-hmm. They're like er- trying to earn things. <laughs> and there are also little signs that Advent is not a season of celebration, per se. And then we want to also have all of us, um, but I know it's really hard for the kids especially, is to give up some of their treats and things that they would normally have and put them aside and wait. And then on Christmas, they're just going to have all the treats, you know, so put them aside and that, that waiting and anticipation. One thing about Advent though, is that there are a bunch of feast days during it, like St. Nicholas. But when they came down the stairs and they saw last year, St. Nicholas day, they came down the stairs and saw at their spot at the table, actually in their slippers. Oh, was it? Well, yeah. but did we put the shoes like at their spot at the breakfast table? Oh, we table? moved them. Yeah, because St. Nicholas will bring treats and oranges and surprises into their slippers. Which and they really were all amazing. just so amazing. Like, St. Nicholas was here. <laughs> Since the Weldons really try to wait actively in Advent, the kids notice that things are different outside their home. This is a great story about our four-year-old Abel. We were up by the mall the other day and they had a tree up already with lights and decorations and his grandma said oh are you gonna put your tree up or at first he I think he even said why is all this up so early (laughs) and she said oh are you gonna put yours up and he said yeah but not early (laughs) right not so early why is all this happening so early so even though we see it around and enjoy the beauty of the lights and the things because it's nice we wait in our home, so I think that's sort of how we keep it waiting. And likewise, Catholics want to celebrate hard for 12 days straight. And we have a whole Christmas season, so don't take the decorations down on the 26th. There have been some disputes like this, because there was another time where a grandma was putting the tree away a few days after Christmas. <laughs> And Elijah says, it's like, why are you putting the Christmas tree away? Christmas just started. <laughs> there was a little bit of a debate mm-hmm. about, and about so that. He yeah. was allowed and took some of the decorations and decorated a, a different space that he where he was going to continue to celebrate. There's so much more to celebrate. There's so, we need more time. I do think we just try to focus on what we do here and not like try to like 
make a big deal about what's going on out there. And I think that that helps. Like, I don't know. I mean, in terms of just like, we do what we do and we have lots of friends who are celebrating like we are. So that helps. So when Christmas hits the Weldon house, everyone will know it. And then on Christmas Day, though, I think you've got to really explode. Yeah, it's got <laughs> you got to really celebrate hard. I think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, we'll probably think of more things through Advent, but right now we're thinking a lot of light and a lot of music and a lot of food and a lot of treats and a lot of good drinks and um, yeah, singing and dancing and playing. They save the gift exchange for Epiphany. And really live it up between December 25th and January 6th. But we're hoping to just the 12 days of Christmas to do fun things like make cookies one day, go ice skating one day, go bowl, you know, doing fun things and celebrating. I asked Lindsay if Advent or Christmas get overwhelming. You have to just pick a few things and not stress and not try to do too much. And if it something falls through or you skip a day of something, you know, that's fine. You just do it the next day. You know, like it can be easy to get too wrapped up in trying to do too many things and then it doesn't turn out to be beautiful or full of love or life at all. So that's one thing that I try to keep in mind is let it just do what you can and enjoy it more than think you have to do all these things that because there's a lot of ideas out there of different ways to celebrate. Yeah, you can't do it all in one day. (laughs) The internet or social media are not always your friend here. That's a hard balance to to get to look on the internet for things or to find ideas because it can be nice to get new ideas and and even read a book and find new ideas but to also just sort of shut it off and make it your own and do it your own way whatever if that's more simple or even more complex if you're something that you're really gifted in but to really just shut it off for the most part because you can get I think, wrapped up in it and compare and all that. And that this just seems like not helpful at all for the purpose of what you're trying to do. So for the most part, I stay, I don't do Pinterest or a little bit of Facebook where you see people's pictures, I suppose, but um, try to stay away from it for the most part and just talk to people that you trust and respect and see what their ideas are. And that can be helpful too, just to spark some ideas. But I don't know, make it your own and not... <laughs> Uh, not try to copy too much of things that really don't match with you or your family. And of course, the key Christmas moment for Catholic families is... We'll go to Mass Christmas Eve, and then it's the light, you know, and so we'll begin to celebrate. And then, yeah, the next morning, go to Mass and feast and, um, yeah, enjoy each other and play and we do want to get together with friends on the 12 days of Christmas and feast together and play together. And uh, what we did for Christmas is we would always go to midnight mass and then open our gifts the next morning. This is Bishop Ricken. <clears throat> this is Bishop David Ricken and I'm the Bishop of Green Bay, Wisconsin and very happy to uh, come to you through this podcast. Bishop Ricken grew up in Dodge City, Kansas, and at Christmas time, his extended family would come over from another town to celebrate. And then about 11 or 12, our, our relatives from Kansas, which is actually my mom's sister and her daughter, they would come to have Christmas dinner with us. They were not Catholic, but uh, we were very close to them growing up. The Rickens had a tradition for the Sunday after Christmas as well. 
for uh, the Feast of the Holy Family, we would always uh, drive to see my grandparents and all of my, a lot of my aunts and uncles and cousins in southern Colorado, in La Junta, Colorado. So we would go to Mass as a family, all of us together, the big extended family. Then we'd have a wonderful uh, meal together and spend some time with Grandma and Grandpa, and that was just terrific. They lived on a little farm, and we got to spend time helping my Grandpa feed the chickens and take care of the cows and the pigs. And So we didn't live on a farm when I was growing up, but we sure got a lot of good experience with my grandparents on the farm in, in outside of La Junta, Colorado. Bishop Ricken expressed concern about all the people who are seemingly forgotten around this time. There are other people who, it's a tragedy of our society, that have been kind of abandoned, especially the elderly sometimes, are abandoned by their families for whatever reason. Sometimes people are locked or shut in their homes, and people kind of forget about them. I think that's a great tragedy, and Pope Francis mentions this all all the time about, you know, kind of discarding our elderly people or those who are sick or poor or handicapped. Uh, that is a bad sign when a Christian country or even when our Catholic parishes forget about people who are on the margins of life. We simply can't do that. And So the holiday season is the time to say, if you're able, you're capable to reach out, please do so and share your share your meal with somebody and let them know they're, they're loved and cared for. It. That is so, so important. And if you are with family for the holidays, it's not necessarily the time to talk about all the things. There's nothing like family, even though we might have our disputes and our disagreements. I always tell people, that, why don't you agree to, uh, to disagree about certain items of discussion and just not go there, especially around the table or when you're together especially when you don't get to be with family members uh, much except around holiday time, and just enjoy one another's presence, really love one another, catch up with one another, rejoice in the good that one another is doing. And I think that kind of takes away some of that negative uh, poisonous discussions that happen like, you know, for example, Thanksgiving or some other time. I'm Alice Heinzen. I live in the beautiful state of Wisconsin. I am the director of the Office for Marriage and Family Life at the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Alice tells a story about learning a new way to celebrate Christmas when she was dating her now husband, Jeff. In her family growing up, Christmas was huge. My mother went to great lengths to make Christmas over-the-top amazing each and every year. So much so that my mom started the Christmas celebration on the first weekend of Advent. Now, I know most people are usually pulling out their Advent wreath, putting their candles in it, and lighting candles. Nope, not at my house. By the first Sunday of Advent, my mother was already chasing my dad out to get the Christmas tree. And it would go up very early in Advent. And so it would go up, and then we would start decorating it over the rest of that first week of Advent. And that was amazing. I mean, it was just like, oh, my gosh, Christmas has already shown up in our house. The tree is up, and presents arrived steadily. After the tree was decorated, my mother started putting presents under that tree. And every morning, it seemed that when we would come up to uh, the living room where the Christmas tree was, there would be new presents under the tree. And my siblings and I, and I'm part of a brood of six, we would immediately go under the tree and see who had new presents under there, and we would begin sorting them, you know, which ones belong to my sisters, which ones belong to my brothers, which ones are mine. 
And, of course, when you have that many kids looking at gifts, there was always some inequity. Not everybody would get a gift. It was just as mother wrapped them. She put them under the tree. So there was either elation or there were a lot of tears every morning because, oh, you got a bigger one than I did. Oh, I didn't get one. Oh, look how pretty my wrapping is. Oh, my gosh. So you can just imagine the banter that happened every day. So gifts were pretty central to Alice's idea of Advent. By the third week of Advent, when you should really be celebrating the rose-colored candle and the fact that we are nearing the halfway mark getting to Christmas, what are we doing? We're not celebrating anything. What we're doing is that we're ripping the corners on our packages because we want to make sure that if the gift isn't under the tree already, if the thing we really want isn't under the tree, we're going to find that out so that we only have like a week to two weeks left to give that hint back to our parents and say, look, you better make sure this gets under our tree by the time that Christmas happens. That My Little Pony isn't there yet. So now Christmas finally arrives. And on Christmas Eve, when it was time to really officially open the presents, my mother would come out and say, okay, let's do this. And it was as if a gong went off in our house and all of us started ripping wrapping paper at the same time. And and people would just, like, lift a gift up. Oh, my gosh, there it is. Put it down. Get the next gift and, and do that. And the whole exchange would be done in a matter of minutes. And that was it. So Alice's Christmas memories were full of gifts and chaos. Then she met Jeff, and he asked her to come to his family's house on Christmas Eve. So in preparation, I went out and I bought a gift for the family because that's what you do at Christmas time. You give gifts. So I bought a gift, and when Jeff came to pick me up, to take me up to his home for Christmas, he looked at the package and he said, what's that? And I said, well, it's a gift. He goes, for who? And I said, well, for your family. And he goes, oh. And a look of disgust came over his face. And I thought to myself, oh, my gosh. What am I going to, what am I going to experience this Christmas with this new family? I mean, these people might not be, they might be a little bit weird, actually. And I'm, I was very nervous about it. Turns out Jeff's family was not that into gifts. So he made a game plan for Alice to hide the present. And he said, look, this is what you're going to do. When you get to my house, I want you to throw your coat over the present and I don't want you to let anybody see that you've got it. When you get to the house, put it in the closet in the bedroom that you're staying in. And, oh, that tag on that present that says, from Alice to the Heinzens, I want you to rip it off. Up until this moment, Alice was all about Jeff and thinking he was the one. This could be a deal breaker. We may not get married because this man doesn't understand Christmas. But she did as Jeff insisted, hiding her thoughtful present and taking off the gift tag. Now, it's Christmas Eve, and I have to tell you that under his Christmas tree in his home, there is not a present in sight. The only thing that is under his tree is the crash, where Mary and Joseph and the shepherds are waiting, but baby Jesus isn't in the manger yet. And we had a lovely evening. We sat down and we had our cocktails and we had our hors d'oeuvres and we had our meal. At the end of the meal, Jeff's dad gets up and says, okay, it's time to start our celebration. And he hands out uh, pieces of paper that have a blessing of the Christmas tree, a blessing of the crib, 
and everything else. And so we do some songs, we do some scripture readings, we go, you know, process from the dining room down into the living room, and we bless the Christmas tree, and Jeff's youngest sister puts baby Jesus into the crib. And we all sit there, and I'm like, well, that was beautiful. That was wonderful. But, like, uh, where are the presents? I mean, don't we do that here? And finally, Jeff's parents get up, and they go through the family room around the corner where we can't see them, and in the distance, we begin to hear jingle bells. Jing, jing, jing. And around the corner comes Jeff's parents, each one with arms filled with presents. And everybody in the room goes, oh, yay, presents. And I'm like, finally, maybe these guys aren't as weird as I think they are. Oh, good. Jeff still has a chance. As a family, the Heinzens had exchanged names. So his dad walks up to me and he said, here, for you. And I'm I'm like, oh. And he goes, nope, not you. And he walks over to another person. He goes, here, these are for you. And then again, he goes, nope, not for you. And he goes and plays this stupid game until finally <laughs> he puts them in someone's lap. And they go, Dad, really? You had my name? And everybody watches as the person that got the gifts open each gift. And as the gifts are being opened, the person receiving the gift goes, oh, my gosh, how did you know that I, I wanted this? So it was super personal and thoughtful. And then Jeff's mom did the same thing. And that stupid exchange of gifts went on for over three hours. Wow. That's a long gift exchange, y'all. So what's the biggest difference between these two families' Christmases? The biggest difference is not in the gifts and how they were given, but it's in how the gifts are received. Mm -hmm. In my house, gifts were given, but the reception wasn't remarkable. Everybody received at the same time, and it was just over, and there wasn't a lot of attention given to the reception side of the gift. Mm -hmm. However, in Jeff's side, the emphasis really was on the reception, taking it slow, one at a time, seeing the look on people's faces as they opened something and were in you know, sheer disbelief that they received this, and how did the giver of the gift know that they really wanted that? So the shift goes from giving the gift to receiving the gift. Something to think about, right? Receiving well. And also, Jeff should have told her that these were what they were going to do. I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. Just tell her. That's all for today's episode. Just a few thoughts about Catholics at Advent and Christmas. I hope you all have a good holiday season. And if the holidays are a hard time for you, be assured that you are not alone in that. Find things that are life-giving for you. And stay tuned in 2019 for a new season of Made for Love. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything, with the notable exception of the music, which was composed and produced by Michael Taylor. Hello, this is Michael. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.